And what's so special about uh, London in Christmas time? It just feels like Christmas. And that's, that's probably me being biased slightly. I love LA. I love the weather. Don't get me wrong. But since I've been here 17 years, it's never felt like Christmas. When it's 70 degrees outside and there's sunshine, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, we just finished watching a movie called The White Christmas right now. You know what I mean? That's Christmas. But there's lights. There's loads of stores. It's, uh, no. The, the, the present part, like, honestly, we are, we got a Christmas tree up already. I'm not sure about you guys, but we got a Christmas tree up and everything, so it feels a little Christmas over here. I, th- I thought I thought you weren't allowed until after Thanksgiving. I thought it was like a, I thought it was a, that was like a cold and fast, like a hard rule. Like no Christmas shit until after Thanksgiving. No in this house, mate. It's a little bit of a red flag to me. And so if I saw your house, I'd be like, ooh. <laughs> Explain the red flag. Why is it a red flag? What do you, ex- what? I think there's like a rule. It's like Thanksgiving and then you're allowed to do Christmas stuff. But anything prior to Thanksgiving is like, you're like, you're kind of in that like category with like Disney, Disney, like adult Disney fans. Like you're in that same, that same category. Of like, ooh, <laughs> I like Disney. What's wrong with Disney? But to, but to, oh, but to be fair, that. one of the reasons why we put them on so early because the, uh, the in-laws are leaving like a couple of weeks afterwards. So this was more convenient to do now than God, okay. That makes a little more sense. But there's nothing wrong with Disney. So the most expensive place on the earth as, as well as the happiest. <laughs> yeah. Which one is your favorite princess? Oh, Jasmine. She looks the most like your wife. Was that a strategic answer? She also shows a lot of skin. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take, who's, who's your favorite Disney princess? Uh, I hate to say this, but it's Jasmine. I'm a huge oh. Aladdin person. That's my uh Am I favorite. allowed to say Alice from Alice in Wonderland or yeah. is that weird? <laughs> No, no, that's completely fine. I love Alice. She's yeah. not really a princess. Alice, really a princess. Yeah. yeah, I thought you would have said Frozen. Oh, uh, it's a little, uh, a little young for me. <laughs> I thought you would say the Little Mermaid. I don't know if she's yeah, a princess. Yeah, she is a princess. I can't. She was a princess. Yeah, her dad was yeah. the king of sea. Mm-hmm. And then her husband was the uh, the prince. So yeah, yeah. double double time, ocean right. and land. Should we start talking about soccer now? Or... Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. Hello, welcome to episode 18 of Draft Offsides. I'm with Tico and Enzo. My name is Keith, and it is the international break. It is the doldrums of Premier League soccer. It is just emptiness. It's just a blank void. We're just staring into the abyss, unsure what to do. Yeah. It wasn't, they thought you were wrong. some good games. When I say good games, a lot of goals in certain games. I don't know what it is about qualifiers. I feel like for a lot of countries, it's just a formality. I feel like it's it's so rare that at this stage, you know, there's games that really mean anything. And if they do, they're like, it's like an uncomfortable that they mean something. It's not like an exciting. It's like, it's like Italy, yeah. like not qualifying for the Euros. Like no one, no Italian fans are really like excited for that game. They were like, oh my God, I can't believe this is going to happen again. Well, they still went through. Yeah, it wasn't a sure thing. And I also think it's like, you know, England already qualified and looked pretty blah against North Macedonia today. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the US today, but that was pretty ugly too. What is Des doing? I don't know. I'm a little alarmed about that. What a knob. Yeah. If, a I was, yeah. I, I, if I was Greg Berhalter, I probably wouldn't have him back or a window. And it's like, cause that's like, I think that's beyond clearly unacceptable response. Well, I think he's he's actually done you guys a favor because I don't think Des is a good player. I couldn't believe it when he went to Barcelona. He's a good player. Did you, did you, did you no? Come on, man. Did you see his? Um, <laughs> did you see? You know how they bring out the full player and they do kick ups and whatnot. Yeah. Did you see Dests for Barcelona? No. No, I said couldn't. He couldn't string like three kick ups. You know together. what? Enzo, he's a good player. He might not be Barcelona good, but he's still better than every other right back we have in our pool. Good. Like there's like there's you know there's like levels to good. <laughs> I like Yedlin. Yeah, but he's also like thirty. Yeah. Don't you remember when Dembele had his presentation? He couldn't. It's true. The ball. It's it true. happened. <laughs> for, for anyone who doesn't know, Des, Sergio Des, like, got fouled and he took the ball and kicked it and got a yell for that. And then he just kept mouthing off to the ref and got another yell for descent within like 10 seconds of each other and got sent off. Mm-hmm. And it, was just, it was just ugly. And all of the, his teammates were pissed at him. It just was like a weird, ugly scene. It was a borderline meaningless game for that. Yeah, but still, I just, you just don't do that. You don't do that when you're representing your country. But all right, should we talk about Premier League stuff? Is there anything else you guys want to? Any other world soccer stuff you guys want to talk about? 14-0 France Jesus. against, what was that, Gibraltar? Jesus, that was like, I was saying, that reminded me of those old San Marino scores. You know, like those. It was just goal after goal. I know they went down to 10 men after like, what, like 13 minutes or something? But even that, putting that many goals against you. France didn't even stop. You know how like in America, when you play basketball and you're killing a team, they just pass the ball around and they don't really, you know. 
It's called like a mercy rule. There was like no mercy right there. They just kept coming out. No. Yeah, it's almost kind of rude. You're not supposed, You're not to, supposed stop. to stop. I think it's kind of like at one point, it's like, okay, guys. When was it in the World Cup when Spain was up, won a game 8 0 or 7 0, something along those lines? Germany's known for doing that. That's like, that's a very classic Germany thing to like keep it going. Like 7 1 Brazil. 7 2 Brazil? Yeah. 7 1, 7 2 Brazil. Yeah. Was it 7 7 1. 7 1. So. I just pulled up the stats for the France game uh, that they won 14 0. 39 shots on target. <laughs> That's a... Versus zero. 39 shots on target, 14 goals. What's that conversion rate? It's like 47%. No, no, 39 shots, 20 on target, and 14 went in. Oh, so it's what, uh, 70%. 70%. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? That's like I think I don't like, have to imagine that, Keith. I think we've had that. That's straight up. There's there's <laughs> NBA players that have worse shooting percentages than that. Imagine how much higher the percentage would have been if zero. Oh my god, it would have been thirty to zero. Looking at Jorudo there the whole time, thirty to zero. You see, his goal was like the best of the bunch with that bicycle kick. Yeah, yeah, it was. Have you heard Jimmy Carragher say Giroud's name? Oh, I saw that recently. <laughs> that was pretty recent. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Bloody Scouse accent, Jawood. Jawood. But I remember the first time I was in Europe, I was over listening to a conversation between two girls. One was speaking English. The other one was, I have no idea. It was, sounded like gibberish to me. I couldn't help myself. You guys know me. I can't help myself. I asked her, I'm like, I'm sorry, why are you speaking English? And she's speaking a different language. She's like, oh, no, it's English. She's just Oh, my God, that's funny. I, I could not understand why the you thing. So, why are you going to do that? Innocent why mistake. Also it, was, it, it was innocent mistake. Was it? Was it? I'm... I'm curious. No, I'm just curious by nature. I wanted to know what was going on. I can't do it. I, can, I can't really do a Liverpool accent, but it's a good accent. I like smash ice, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, like a that's okay. That's, that's, a, that's not bad. Let's talk uh, Let's talk some of these games that are coming up in the, in the coming week. We usually don't spend a ton of time on games, but because we're we're not reviewing matches, I think we can kind of do it. So I think the big, the big game, <laughs> the exciting one, is the Manchester City-Liverpool game. What are you guys thinking? Is that... It's at the Etihad. Do you guys think Liverpool has a chance to win it? Do you think they'd be happy with a draw? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Look, if Man City, if Haaland's still injured, I know he got a knock. If he's injured, that gives Liverpool a big chance, a bigger chance they would have had with, without him, with him on the pitch. So we'll see. Their defense is better. They, they, they're more close to fit full fitness than most teams, Liverpool. So I think if they're going to steal any points from C is going to be this game. I think if we were heading into it without an international break, I would favor Liverpool uh, just because they were on form and Man City was coming off of that disappointing 4-4 tie. And uh, even in that game, I think uh, recently, what was it? Uh, Haaland got a knack in, uh, in that game. So, But now it's kind of, you know, after the international break, you never know what happens. Uh, I I still favor Man City or I'm hoping Man City win uh, Liverpool wins. I'm sorry, Liverpool uh, with the form they've been in. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. I think the break came in a good time for City, and like Liverpool probably wanted to just keep rolling. But uh, yeah, I kind of get the sense that Liverpool did come with like a sneaky win here. I think like no John Stones, you know, obviously the Brighter's still out. If Holland's not there, kind of like what Enzo was saying, you know, I just think that this is this is it's not it's really, I mean, barring you know, the, that three game period where Roger was not there this is like the second best you know kind of opportunity for teams to get some points off uh, City also it seemed like over the international break all of Liverpool players scored Salah scored uh, Luis Diaz had the brace Nunez scored Slobosly 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 do you see him take a shot with the crowd yeah that's cool that was amazing that's freaking awesome man what a moment yeah um, I, I actually think that this is a game where I am a little nervous about my defense defense of uh, uh assets so like, i'm not i'm not loving i just after that 4-4 and like way liverpool's been a lot better but like against the city team like i think this is i would consider benching i just i would consider benching some of these guys the defenders if you have other options i just i would rather have those because i think liverpool is super high scoring man city obviously we know can score at will too yeah we're gonna see that should be a good game that's definitely game of the weekend or a close second though it's gonna be newcastle chelsea yeah this is gonna be fun too it's at St. James's Park. That's definitely something. I feel like Newcastle's look better at home, which most teams do. But again, they're injury-stricken. Chelsea seems to be on the rise at the moment. couple good results on the bounce. Let's see if they can continue that form against Newcastle. Yeah, I feel like we, we've talked about it last week, but like the whole Newcastle defense is 
you knew, right? Like everyone's moved around. It's pretty insane just how bad it is. Like Botman's out, Dan Burns out, Matt Target, Sharp. Well, yeah, Sharp limped off or didn't play at one of his international games. So there's like a there's a ton of injuries there. But so someone I'm really interested in on for Newcastle, bring we'll talk about him later is Joe Willick. I saw he got some minutes back. He was pretty solid at the back half of last year. It was pretty important for them. So I think that's someone to keep an eye out on. Um, on the Chelsea side, I'm getting really excited. It looks like Christopher and Cuckoo could make the bench, start making the bench as early as this game. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a big deal for Chelsea because he was he looked really good in preseason. He's like someone that they really wanted to build this whole Chelsea uh, rebuild around. So that could be a really big deal. And you'd want him to start as soon as possible, right? Even if say even if, so, for example, say Nicholas Jackson scores another goal this game. And maybe the next, would you take out Nicholas Jackson, who's finally finding some form, or would you put in the guy that you bought to be that guy? You put in the guy that you bought to be that guy, because mm. we're not in a we're not in a title race, you know. I feel like it's I feel like this season is more about finding our feet and finding our form, and then hoping that we can maybe nick like fifth place and get into Champions League with the new uh, aggregate for Champions League. But I don't I don't I think that's more important me personally than it is like trying to win if like two games or three games on the bounce right now. Rather have that long term plan ahead like looking ahead. So Nicholas Jackson, you don't team in the uh long term. No, plan I do, but Chelsea? I just think that uh getting Nkunku up to speed is more important than playing someone who's on form right now. It's a tough decision. And I don't think that Jackson would not get I don't think he's like automatically gonna not start every game. I think there's games where he very well could start. I think there's games that him and him and Nkunku could start. Like, yeah, I think, I think there's games that like that they'll work. But I, to me, I think the biggest thing is getting Nkunku up to speed. Well, and the preseason, both of them played at the same time. Yeah, in the preseason, they looked really good. So I think that's yeah. did they were they playing four four two or was he playing on uh, the left or right wing? And Kunku was playing on off the left, and he was also playing like in the tent behind Jackson. And Kunku was Jackson was playing up top. Yeah. Yeah. So Jackson was playing up top, and Kunku was either playing on the left or through the 10. But like I think Cole Palmer puts a new kind of dimension to the scene because now he's coming on the right. He potentially has Sterling on the left. I have a hard time imagining that Connor Gallagher is going to not start the way he's been playing, the way how well he's been doing, and how important he is for Chelsea right now. But maybe against teams that, like, you know, bottom half teams. Because one thing that Chelsea struggled with is unlocking the low block. So maybe in those situations, maybe you put in Kunku in the 10. And you don't need a Conor Gallagher, but then in games where it's like high intensity against good teams, maybe that's when Nkunku goes up top, and maybe that's when Conor Gallagher goes in the ten. So I think I, I don't know. I think it's just really exciting. There's a lot of op- opportunity and a lot of options now that Poch has. What Chelsea needs to do is drop Caicedo and uh, put Enzo as a defensive guys, midfielder. Caicedo is and very good, and there's so many like stats to back it up. And I, I just don't get your uh, your hate. It's not hate, Keith. It's the fact that since he's left Brian, they suck. He hasn't fit. He hasn't fit into that Chelsea team. What are you talking about? He just he's he's fitting very well the last few weeks. He had two games to start the start his career where he didn't fit in, and he looked really bad. But he also didn't have a preseason, so he's now that he's up to speed. I think he's been one of the most important players for them. That's the problem. If he's your uh, one of the more important players, that's how you end up at tenth place. Okay, on the, on the okay, that's not true. That's not. He's been, he's been very good, but yeah. What do you? I think that I think that Chelsea can get a result at Newcastle. I think there's just too many injuries for Newcastle. Yeah, it's a good good opportunity. No Isaac, no Wilson. They're both injured. Yeah. You know, what I mean, jeez. I just think Newcastle is looking a little lifeless right now. So this is again like the same thing that City game, but only more. Like this is this is the moment if you're going to try and get points on Newcastle, it's now. I agree. Are there any other games that you guys really like? I think Tottenham Villa is kind of exciting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. That could have been such a great game. Yeah. I think it still will be a great game. Uh, I got to go with with Tico. I think it could have been a, it could have a been great game, a f- exceptional game. I think it's like a exceptional game. game with the the high line, the attacking football, the um, you know trying to exploit each other and control the ball in the midfield and push high pressure it could have been a really good game um i feel like at this moment in time tottenham will have we won't even, we still won't have your doggy back because he's injured so we're still going to play that same back four we played against um the wolf we can't play that high line we still don't have that career midfielder unless they've been working on something over the international break I think that actually came at a great time for us, so we could have some extra training with the first team and see how they can work out. But Villa's been looking great, high flying. Oli didn't have a good 
international break, but international games are completely different to week in, week out premiership games. So I can see him bouncing back. I think Villa could come to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and get a get get a result here. I think it's that's a real possibility. No. You know. I think this is definitely one of those tough games. But also I think Villa too is you we've seen them have some bad results. So it's not like they're this automatic team. You know, sometimes that high press and that high line doesn't work. So Yeah. There was there's always that. I mean you still have some pretty phenomenal players on Tottenham Tottenham. So we'll see. I think that's gonna be I still think it's gonna be a really good game. I think uh another game that should be good is gonna be Evan Man United. I was gonna say that. I think we need to talk about Everton and what happened with them where they um they violated financial fair play and got 10 points deducted from them. So they were sitting on 14 points and they were in like 12th or 13th. And now with 10 points deducted, they're on four points and they're down in 19th. Are you worried about how that'll affect the Everton team or no? If you had told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said they're going down. However, with the last few games and the way they've been playing, and the way that bottom three, bottom four teams have been playing, I feel like they'll get out of the relegation zone. They're not going to be one of the teams to get relegated. I feel this minus 10 points was harsh, in my opinion. I think they overspent by 19 million. So they got 10 points deducted for one, one issue, 19.4 million. So I feel that will galvanize the team. I feel that this team will push forward. I think May United is a great, a great game to start off to maybe steal three points because uh, May United again have been shaky. Yeah, they've been pulling results out of their ass and it's been, it's been working. And don't get me wrong, from they're, they're starting to figure things out. But I think Everton could sneak a winner. You are preaching to the choir. I was gonna say that I think Everton gets out of the bottom three this game. I think they win this game and they get out of the bottom three. Or even if they get a draw and they get out. I, really? I think this is like, this is such like a siege mentality. Everton, I feel like this is the moment where the team comes together. Sean Dyche is like a very inspirational manager. I think he's going to rally this team around him and he's going to mm-hmm. make them just be like, it's us against the world. Let's go fuck shit up. And this is going to be like a moment for them. And this is like a perfect moment. Like what Enzo was just saying, like a United team that's like very bad to just really like expose them. I think this could be, like this could be an upset. Like I, I'm thinking about placing a little uh, wager on this game it it does have all the makings of the upset them after the international break seeing they got deducted this many points when everyone else does it and they're playing against a huge club as well obviously match united they know it's going to be everyone's going to be watching that game and i was just looking at the last five games only city liverpool and united have more points than everton in the last five games so everton's been in an amazing form wow um, we talked about it before. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. They went three, one, and one. So that's 10 points in the last five against the United side that uh, Hojlund's not going to be playing. So we know that's a big loss. Oh, he's not, huh? Like, oh, like proper. Late November is what I'm seeing. Wow. Okay. Damn, that bet's, look, that bet's so, looking real good right now. <laughs> you guys trying to renegotiate the structure of the bet. <laughs> so it'll be a game time decision. So we'll We're see. We're going to see. Um, I think that's. That's going to be a game to watch. And uh, Keith, if you do, let me know. I'm down to put on, on that bet. Should we collectively just put some money? Should we put, yeah, yeah. pool our funds? Uh, let's do parlay for uh, Everton to win and Hojlon to score. No. You, that's, that's all you. What is wrong with you? That's like, that's a pipe dream. I would do a parlay for Everton to win, Brentford to get a tie against Arsenal. And friggin' Arsenal score first. What about Liverpool? Oh, oh, I would do a Liverpool win and Everton win. Like, go full Merseyside. Go full Merseyside. Woof. <laughs> Never go full Merseyside. Never no, go, go full, full Merseyside. Merseyside. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, I think those are the games to watch. Honestly. I think so too. And I think we can just skip over the other ones. You were quoting from a great movie. I was just going to give you I that. I was hoping you get that. The other one too, I just want to point out now, we don't need to talk about too much is start your Crystal Palace defenders, pick them up. If you don't, I think against a Luton town, that's town team that's been struggling. Crystal Palace defense. We've talked about it, We think is good. We're fairly sure it's pretty good. And so are you checking right now if there's an Ernie available? Is that what you're doing on your phone? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm wondering if the quote was from Tropic Thunder. Yeah, it's exactly what the quote was. It is. <laughs> Love that movie. It's, it's so good. It's one of those movies that is better every single time you watch it. 
But even now, there's a before we move on. Just there's a small scenario that after this week, if Liverpool and City tie, that Arsenal could end up in first place. So we don't want to see a tie for City or Liverpool. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. I didn't think about that. I thought you'd want to see a tie since you're an Arsenal supporter. My day to day life is a lot more uh, tiring when Arsenal is in first place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I kind of want to talk. I have a little segment. It's called. About damn time! About damn time drops. So people that you've probably had on your roster because you drafted them high or were high value or yada yada, and it's probably time to cut them loose. So I have a few names here, and I think we should just kind of go through, and you guys tell me if we should just cut or cut or keep. First name on this list: Mason Mount. Drop him. Are you cutting him? You're fully ready to cut him. He hasn't. Put, he hasn't done anything on that team. I don't think he's getting back unless a new manager comes in. I don't think he's gonna get another opportunity. You think it's you think it's that cut and dry? Yeah, I think Ten Hag is is struggling, and I think he's not scared to make the, you know those big decisions where he's like, all right, made a bad choice for this, I'm not gonna start him. I think the only shred of hope is that like Man United goes on a run like the last <clears> season, and not Mason Mount is like somehow involved in that because like you know that team has the capability to be better, and you know that like Mason Mount has the qualities to be like a very viable and good Premier League player. So you're hoping that this yeah. is aligned, but I, I kind of, I agree with you. He hasn't shown anything. Yeah, but United also has a lot of injuries. That's a player. If you have a spot on bench, you may, might just want to stash him in hopes of something does happen. What does, what has he done his last five games? What has he done all season? Not even just his last five. So his season high was seven points. So in yeah. that sense, yeah. It's rough. But I also, it's, that's like one of those ones that makes you sick if you drop him in and like in two weeks from now, all of a sudden, they, man, you, now he goes on a run. He's a big part of that. He's just one of those guys that the, there's so much upside, even though he's su- even though he's been sucking. Keith, they've been on a run. They're in, they're in sixth place. And he hasn't been part of any of that. True. True. All right. So I think that's a, I think we can agree that's a drop. Uh, Jao Pedro, very kind of like a highly sought after new player to the Prem. Started the season yeah. with a goal in his first game. You know, he's had a few little moments here and there, but like the last few weeks, he's been non-existent. Are we ready to drop him? I'm ready to drop him just because of what Brian's been doing in the last few games. Also with the rotation they've had up front, I think he's down the pecking order. I think Ferguson's ahead of him. Welbeck's obviously ahead of him. Welbeck's coming and back. Like, injury. Yeah. Be, yeah. And then Ansu Fati just started the last game. So now he's, what, fourth in the pecking order? Yeah, dropping my see no value there. Okay, what about Sven Botman has been one, like, going to be available next week, but it's been like a month. It's been like three or four weeks of them being like, oh, he should be back next week. And then the last report I saw was that his the swelling in his knee still hasn't gone down. So there's a chance he needs surgery. Are you waiting are you, to like to guarantee that he needs surgery or are you just ready to cut? Shit, at this point, is there any... Because I was looking at defenders earlier today. There, It is thin. Yeah, it's like, rough. Good defenders there. are thin out there. If he gets surgery, yeah, you're going to have to drop him by the bullet and, you know, to pick up someone, Lockyer or, or one of those players or even an Evans centre-back. Um, but if he doesn't have surgery and he could be back within a couple of weeks or so, He's definitely want to hold on. It dep- and it also depends on how many people you got injured on your bench. If you've got five people injured like me, you really should think about dropping Botman. For him, it's an absolutely do not drop. Uh, it's a player that does have trade value, even as someone was injured. I pulled up his points per game. He's averaging ten point nine five points per game, which ranks seventh among defenders. This is my this is my take. I think if he if you come back from the international break. If he's not at least on the bench in the next week, then I think you just know that the surgery is going to happen and you might need to drop him or you should try and get rid of him or you should trade him or do something because, like, it's been over a month already. And if, like, the two extra weeks off from the international break still isn't, like, he hasn't been able to at least make a bench, I think that, that surgery is, like, coming. I think there's no way there's not surgery after that. But I know you're saying, Tico, that's a really good point. I mean, that fanny points per game, that like he's so important for them, and they look so good when he's in. So, um, Next on the list, uh, everyone's favorite, Anthony, the uh, domestic abuse specialist. Do you, is there, do you, have, do you see any rat reason to keep on your end of the team? Fucking drop him. <laughs> this guy sucks. He's a terrible flare. He's <laughs> 90-something Whoa, million. That was a lot of... That was pretty... I, uh, I just pulled up... Do you... 
Did he hurt you in some way? Were you one of his victims, Tico? I'm a Brazil fan internationally, and the fact that this guy would start in the World Cup over Rodrigo drove me crazy. Well, to be fair, at Ajax, he was pretty, pretty fucking good. It wasn't until he came to Man United, and he wasn't able to... He just hasn't fit in. He can't seem to find his groove. He tried, He was trying to cut in, do those long shots like Hyungman's son, can't do it. He does three sixties around the ball. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't in work at the EPL. I'm sorry, in... no, that works unless you're like Cristiano Ronaldo, who can like you know, pay it forward and show you that yeah, I could do this, but then I can also have an end result. He hasn't had an end result yet. I can guarantee you, if he if he, if he did that three sixty, not make the guy and then put it in the bottom left, one of the best goals ever. But because he did it, it just did it standard still. <laughs> he's a prick. All right, last five games, his points. All right, zero. 3.5, negative 2, 3, 2. Drop that motherfucker. Okay. So, so I just pulled up this numbers. So for this year and last year combined, he played 34 games. He scored 230 points. Year to date, how long does 223? Yeah. And in 11 games, he has, he's outscoring this guy. This guy, right, Anthony. Please, he should not, you should not be them. picking him up. You yeah. shouldn't have him. Next player, Kai Havert. Ooh, this one's actually tough. Is it tough because he played, he played right because back? Because he, 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 he could Germany? play left, left back. back for Arsenal and score a goal. Do you think that's a thing? Never... Is that a real thing? Is he? I don't know, man. I, that, that's, I thought that was like a meme. Like I, when Tico said that in the chat, I thought that he was that was like a joke. I thought there was some like some like inside joke that I was missing from that. I checked it out straight away. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Is he inverting? Is he playing like, is he like inverting into the middle or is he playing out on the wing? I didn't watch any of the Germany highlights. Uh, a bit of both, a bit of both, because you know he's because he's a central midfielder slash you know attacking forward. He drifted, but it sort of worked. And but Germany's more efficient. You know what I mean? Okay, so Kai, Kai Havertz is like a maybe then, huh? A maybe. They should try him out at left back Arsenal against some crappy team or like second half if they're up. It's not like they have the stud on left back. And Zinchenko, yeah, he's good. But, but Kai Havertz could do what Zinchenko does. Kai Havertz could contribute more to the attacking mm -hmm. half. All right. You heard him. You heard it here. Okay, next one. Miguel Almiron. Oh, so streaky. A little bit of an injury. So streaky. Um, hasn't been great. Like, I kind of, I think he's one of those guys that you let be someone else's headache. I think the only argument you can maybe make is that because Newcastle is... So injury hit right now that you know he's gonna get playing time. But I don't I'm not convinced that Newcastle is gonna do much without these like key players. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't love it. I I say drop. They have a lot of depth there. And when he does get playing time, it means that the good players are injured. Well he was starting for a second there too. Then you just dropped in form. That's that's another one on borderline for me because he, he can give you a moment and a moment can win a game. Yeah, they can win a game, but can it are you? Do you want to bet on that to win you a fantasy week? No. Yeah. So still a maybe though. Maybe. Okay. Next one, Mikhailo Mridzic from Chelsea. Had a little brief moment where you thought that he was gonna be, he was like on the up and up, but then you know he had a little injury issue, then started coming off the bench. It looks like the Chelsea front line is starting to get kind of crystallized with Sterling and Palmer in there. Like I just don't know. I don't see him being anything but like an impact sub. In the near, for the near future, especially with the Kunku coming back as well, so I'm I'm thinking that it's time to cut and let that again. That's the type of thing you let that be someone else's problem. I don't think you want that. You think they you think they sell him in January? No, I think that he could still. I can think he could still come good for them. I just don't think it's going to be in the next ten games. He's expect he's an expensive sub. Yeah, that's, I mean, it is what it is at this point. Like I, yeah. I'm not thinking about it like that. I'm just thinking about like I just don't think yeah. Koch is going to. I don't think he's going to start games unless someone gets injured or. Unless something happens, yeah, um, that's another borderline because I don't know if he's gonna how many games he's gonna play in the next ten games. Because the next ten games is key, especially in, for fan tracks. Because the next ten games that could basically solidify where you're gonna end up in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. I have two other names on here that I just added, but I kind of feel like I know the answer to both. Mohamed Kudos, absolutely oh. key. Yeah, keep on Sufati. Keep. I think he's a keep. If he starts again he and he plays well and he does what Brian needs him to do, keep. I think he's a keep as long as he's like in the mix. I think Jao Pedro is probably a drop, but if Ansu Fadi is above him, like what you're saying, above him in the pecking order now, I think you got to keep him. 
uh, this is a tricky one for me. It's hard to say because Everton's been, uh, Everton, Brighton's been out of form and they haven't really, the players haven't been producing. And for Fati, it's, I feel like his points are goal related. If he doesn't score, is he going to really contribute yeah. fantasy wise? Mm. Yeah. But you, you also bet that Roberto Reserve is going to turn this around and figure it out. At least you hope so. You hope so. All right. So now that we've made room on our benches by getting rid of all this dead weight, next segment is called comeback players. So these are guys that coming off injuries, so they might not be showing up on your waiver as like one of the top names on just like the generic waiver search. But these are guys that could come back and could be super valuable. But I think just a caveat here is that anyone coming off injury, there's just a, the risk that they're not as good for a little while. There's a risk they get winged back into the team. There's some, a lot of risk with uh, picking up players coming off injury. But I think there's a lot of potential reward here too. So the first, you know, obviously there's like the big names you got to make sure that are, are still not on waivers. It's like the obviously like De Bruyne and Kunku, Ivan Tony, not injury related, but suspension. Like those guys should all be picked up. That shouldn't be an issue. I think one name that's very possible could be on waivers you should be looking for is Luke Shaw. Most leagues will probably have him rostered, but mm -hmm. you never know. I just feel like there's I could see Shaw getting dropped in some leagues. For me, it's pickup for sure. I picked him up middle uh, last month. I needed a defender. There was nothing on the waiver wire. I said, you know what? I'll take him. I'll stash him. And the two games he played, he put up like 11 points. So coming back to Manchester United that's looking good lately, uh, all getting results lately, and they don't have a lot of defensive players, so I don't think he's going to lose his job or anyone else outperform them. So I think he's one of those players that should be, once he's fit, he should be getting his regular 90 minutes. Mm. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. Yep. All right, next one, Joe Willick, Newcastle. We were just talking about they have a lot. They're pretty injury hit. Joe Willick's just coming back from an injury. He was pretty important for them last year. Like He was really starting to like make a name for himself in that team as the season went on. And then he obviously had an injury, so... Do you think that he can kind of regain that and be a crucial part of this team? He's a good midfielder, uh, first and foremost. Uh, you're right, he had a good good season last season. Uh, I think he's, it's unfortunate he's coming back to a team that's injury-stricken. I think he would have been eased into it a little bit easier, coming off the bench maybe, but he's going to have to take his opportunity, and I think that might be a good pickup because Newcastle needs something in that midfield to go along with uh, Guimaraes to try to help, you know, sustain it and hold the ball and get it to their forwards. So I think Joe Willock could actually push a ball into the box, push it out wide, maybe even get a goal here and then. He ain't going to get that many, but maybe even an assist. I think he's a good pickup. I agree. I think that's a good analysis. Next one on the list. This one, pretty rostered, but I think it's worth looking for. John Stones. He was out for the beginning of the season. He came back, looked pretty solid for two or three games, and then got injured again. And now he's been out for... A month. So he might not be back this week against Liverpool, but I think he should hopefully be back a week or two after that. And I think he could be like a season-winning defender, in my opinion. What do you guys think? I'm always hesitant on uh, City players. Just how many of them get the, you know, they're always going to get the start. The same the same thing with John Stones. I don't know if he's going to play every single game. He does have the upside, especially with City getting a lot of clean sheets. That's the eight points bonus. Um, I think that's where a lot of his value would come from. But just because of the carousel of players uh, Pep uses, uh, I might not be willing to put up a roster spot for him. I agree. I think that it's been it's a red flag already that he's had two injuries in one season already, uh, trying to get back from. So I'd be worried that one, he get injured again, and two, again, it's rotation. Pep just keeps rotating. I know he's been great when he's been in there, but once KDB comes in there, there's not really that much space for him. I think John Jones is one of the most important players in this team. And I think he starts if he's healthy. Pretty much, he's. I think he's a lock the way that KDB and Holland are locks. So I think if he's healthy, I'm not worried about the rotation. I just think it's the health is the question. Um, but yeah, I mean, is it? I guess the question is: Is it worth you picking him up and then not be maybe not available this week? Pick him up and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's not available next week too. And then you're going, oh shit! Now am I going to hold him for another week? So I think that's where the question, if you have the depth there. Another defender, Ibrahima Konate on Liverpool. He's come in and looked pretty good, but same, almost exact thing with John Stones. He started, looked good, got injured, came back, looked good for one or two games and got injured again. Are you are you less inclined? Because I think he's less important to Liverpool than John Stones is the city. I wouldn't say he's less important. I think 
wouldn't he be the star with Van Dyke on a usual basis? Yes, he would be. So I think the way Klopp is, he likes to have you know a solid back four. He doesn't rotate too often. We can remember when he had Robertson, Trent, Van Dyke, uh, and I think it was Matip at the time. He, he kept with them most of the season. So when they come back, I think Kanai will be a good pickup. Because, again, Liverpool hasn't been leaking that many goals, especially the last few games. So I think he'd be a really good pickup. So I was looking at the last two years, the three three years. He played last year, he played 18 games, the year before 11. And he's only played eight games this far. He's always going to be injury prone. And within the last three years, the highest points he averaged for the whole year was 7.3. Um, to me, that's a waiver wire player. Uh, I know he gets the start, he gets the minutes, but it just doesn't really produce into. Uh, Point of fantasy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, next one on this list, Ryan, another Liverpool player, Ryan Gravenberch. I put him here because the game before he got injured, I thought was his best looking game, and I could he scored. I think he scored like ten plus points, and you could really see that how he could become a high scoring player or like a very solid scoring player for Liverpool in the midfield in that game, and then he got a little injury, and so and you know and. Um, Curtis Jones is coming back too, so I don't know that how how much that'll affect his playing time. But there's definitely, I think he's definitely a potential dice roll. What do you guys think? I like Ryan Gravenberch. I, I agree with that last game I watched him. He looked really good. He actually looked like fun. He found his groove in that midfield. I think it will be him, Sobersly, and who's the third midfielder? McAllister. It's gonna, McAllister. McAllister. And it'll be those three. That means McAllister will be more in the role that he's used to, and Sobosly will have that more attack threat. They have more freedom. I think Ryan Gravenberg did a really good job. I think he'll be a good pickup, a good one to see how he plays the next few games when he comes back. Yeah, I think he has the most upside uh, from all the players we talked about, uh, him and Luke Shaw. So I would pick him up, uh, especially with McAllister. hasn't really been playing that amazing. So it's something to keep an eye on. I'd rather get him in. He might be a fantasy winner for you. All right, next on the list, Jacob Ramsey. He was so crucial for, for Villa last year, and they're really successful. Pushed from 17th to 7th, and he was a big part of that. And Enzo, I know you're a huge fan of him preseason. I think he's about a week away from being healthy, or two weeks away from being healthy. He's probably just starting to train with the team. Is he someone that you pick up early and hope that he can regain that form and will take over one of those midfield spots? Or are you kind of a little hesitant? Great player. Great young player. We had that in there. He's a young player. I had to drop him because I just needed I needed someone else fit. When he did come on that one game he played, I think he he, he put some decent points. Um, he is a, an impact player, but in this Villa side that's rolling so well, I don't see him coming in and starting. And I think that midfield is pretty much set. So um, I think it'd be a good play. Pick up the stash and maybe see if he can break away into the first team, but. If you need points right here, right now, I'm not sure it's a great pickup. Yeah, definitely one for the future. So maybe another name if you have a little bit of uh, wiggle room on your bench. I think all mm -hmm. these are mostly like like you need a little bit of wiggle room. You know, these are tough. But uh, another one on the list is Tariq Lamptey. And the reason I put him on here is because Estupian is also injured. But he, he's obviously the number one left back. And he's obviously the better player and more important for the team. But Tariq Lamptey, like... Brighton so has so many injuries. Like maybe one of those guys could play right back for this team. Like maybe there's like options where they're both playing on the same team, and also like Asubian's been injured twice now as well. So I think Lamptey's kind of a sneaky pickup. You know, if just to like get some maybe get get a couple free starts, and I don't. Know, I think he's interesting. What do you guys think? I think you add him if you have a Asubian. So you think you like stack him kind of and just like yeah, pretty much until he comes back. Oh, no, I don't know, man. I did that, and it, it sucked. They were, both, they, were both, they were both injured. I have a stupid, and I'm waiting for him. He's on late match fitness for this for this weekend coming. Um, He had a good start, got that red card, uh, that own goal, and it just went downhill from there from this season. Um, I think Terry Lamptey is a good player. Um, I think he was he was starting not too long ago. I think he was a, one of those wonder kids. They thought were going to be great. I think he can put up points. Can he play on the right back? I think... I don't think Deserve really has a choice. 
uh, if they both come back. Um, that so or I think Pascal be... Gross in there. Exactly. And what wouldn't you rather Pascal Gross be in that midfield? 100%. So, yeah, it could be. And then the last one I have is Alex Moreno, Austin Villa, left back. Again, another player that was super crucial for them in their big rise up last year. And then he's had an injury all season. He just got some minutes in the under-21s or the second team. And he's kind of going to start pushing Luka Dinge for that starting left-back spot. And I think he adds a lot of dynamicism to their team. So I think he could potentially be a huge pickup. What do you guys think? I think Alan Marino's a good player. I don't think he's going to take Dinge's spot unless Dinge gets injured. I mean, he, he had it Dinge's, last year. He took it. Like he, he did. He had it last year. But you think Dinge's done enough this year to keep it? For Moreno? I'm not sure how Dinier's been scoring. I know he's had a few big games where he gets down that wing and he crosses the ball into dangerous spots. I think Moreno does the same thing. But I don't think they will they change it. He might get rotated here and there, but I think Dinier's got that spot at the moment. 43rd overall ranked player, Luca Dinge. Luca Dinge. So yeah, I mean last what? Last one, two, three, four, five games is seven points, three points, nine point two five, sixteen point seven five, two point two five. So a little hit or miss. Like most mm-hmm. defenders, yeah, yeah. Being forty three in the premiership in the in fan track points isn't that bad though. But uh-huh. if you're honest, no. you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting one. I think that one's like a high risk, high reward pickup. I think if he steps in and plays in that Luca Dinga role, but then all of a sudden is you know seven years younger and like way faster and could add more. I think that could be a huge like point upgrade, but. He also could just ride the bench. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. Um, I kind of want to keep this somewhat short. Is there anything else we want to chat about before uh, we get into games? I want to talk about how with Everton getting that 10-point deduction, Man City with their 115 uh, issues they've got, and then also Chelsea's got something going on right now with uh, how they were, you know, with their with their picking up players and loaning them out and a little bit of shady business, funny business on what the could... accountant. Mm-hmm. How you think? What do you think would happen to Manchester? Because honestly, in my my in my eyes, so they've already what been fined twenty million a couple of years ago. Um, I think they got they got what they were meant to not be in Champions League for two seasons, and they appealed that and got away with it. Do you think it's more about having the best lawyers, or about actually? punishing these teams i think it's all of the above i think there's two different factors going on i think one is that the premier league's really set a precedent with this everton punishment and i think that's probably set some alarm bells off for the cities and the chelsea's but b i think the other thing you really need to think about is the everton thing was like pretty cut and dry like it's like they did something like wrong and it was very like clear there wasn't they weren't really arguing that they didn't do anything wrong like they're like would they kind of like they like they were like oh yeah like essentially it's like if you were trying to do your taxes and you kind of were like oh yeah i can write this like boat off as a business expense and then they like, come back and they're like no you can't that's literally like a, you know it's like a party boat you know what i mean like like that that's essentially what everton did everton was trying to write off stuff for financial fair play that they just weren't like no no other teams did it was just like unacceptable for them to try and like claim losses the way they did and that's why they got punished. With City, it's that they're arguing about whether they're being deceitful or not with like, versus the Premier League. Like they're trying to be like the Premier League's trying to be like you lied to us, and City's like I didn't lie to you. And so I think what's gonna that's a lot harder to prove. Like that's like and so in that kind of sense, it's like it's gonna be City's really good lawyers that are literally like state funded lawyers, like Saudi Arabian state funded lawyers versus like the Premier League's lawyers. And I think that's I think it's gonna be harder to really nail them on every single thing that being said like i think if they don't get any punishment it's going to be insane you know but i think it's just going to be much harder it's much it's a much harder thing to pin down and i think the chelsea one sorry guys i'm on a little bit of a monologue but i think the chelsea one is that essentially when the team changed ownership todd bully's consortium reached out to the premier league and was like hey as we've been, now that we're in control, we're reviewing the books and there is some funny business going on that we want to let you know about because we just want to be super transparent. And that's how it started. Okay. And so they brought this to the Premier League's attention. And so then you get into this whole argument of like, at what point, like, are you punishing a 
people who aren't even responsible for what, what's happening. Like if if someone if someone like robs a bank in a car and then sells that car the next day and you buy that car and then they they check that then like they realize that that car was involved in robbing a bank, are you are you on the hook? You know what I mean? Like I think there's I think that's gonna be there's some weird gray areas. I, I think it's gonna be a little weird. I like you know. Isn't it more of that someone robs a bank, leaves the money in the car? And then you buy the car and you're like, hey, look, I found all this money. You do your due diligence before they the purchase. Did, they, they, they literally were like, hey, there were some accounting irregularities we want to bring to your attention. And they, they were the one that brought it. They, they volunteered that information to the Premier League. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that Bowley's done anything wrong. He's done the right thing by coming forward. But Chelsea, as a club, where it doesn't matter what club it is, wherever club it is, and you've done that, you still... In my opinion, if you're going to take 10 points away from Everton, who had one issue, which I think was harsh, I think was very harsh, and then let someone else do something similar or another issue and they get away with it, it's, don't get me wrong, this is over and over a can of worms. Yes. Because like, yep. the, le- the, the teams that got relegated last season are now suing yep. Everton Football Club. So... The cynical part of me says that they're making an example out of can. everything. And they're obviously mm-hmm. going to give some kind of a punishment to Chelsea or City. I would think so. And then EPL is going to say, oh, what Chelsea and City did was not as severe as what Everton did. If that was the case, they would also get 10-point deduction. We've been talking about Chelsea and City doing stuff on financial fair play for like years. Like ever since I could remember. And I don't recall any type of punishment with the exception of Chelsea got banned from years one year. I think the Champions League. I think we got fined. We got a big fine. I think we've only been fined. Same as Man City. Man City got fined and then they got banned for two years, but then they appealed it and they were back into it. Isn't it frustrating how uh, Pep is at Barcelona, he leaves Barcelona, there's that whole referee investigation. I don't know if you guys signed La Liga. Mm-hmm. And now he's in Manchester City. There's something going on Conspiracy. in City as Get well. Your pile, Where there's smoke. On, boys. Conspiracy. <laughs> No, this where there's smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire. So, what did he do in Bayern Munich? He was at Bayern Munich too. You gonna have uh, some issues with Bayern Munich also? I mean, it's do you really need to? You're in Bayern Munich, you're gonna win the league. <laughs> oh, god. I, I, you know, I honestly think that City and Chelsea, there's a good chance that they don't get that they get away with this on the level, and I think that's that's probably gonna be kind of fucked up, and people are gonna be really upset about it. But I, for the reasons I listed out, I think. It's the circumstances are a little different, but like, not that it's justified, but I think just think how it is, you know, it's not equal treatment. It's not equal treatment for these teams. It's fucked up. Such (laughs) fucking privileged teams. It it is truly what it is. It's, I'm not saying it's right. It's it's fucked up. Oh my God. Shit ain't right. It's one of those things when it's your team, you're happy. Yeah, screw you guys do it too. Who cares? We have money. We'll afford it better for everyone else. Like, I mean. Because ends, you'd be happy, right? If you guys Saudi person came about, what do you? Th- okay, you'd so be like, happy, sorry, right? I, like the other thing too is like it's not like there's going to be it's not like they're going to reduce like Enzo's name in our in our Zoom right now is a one thousand one hundred and fifty point deduction for Man City. Like they're not going to get that many. Like you know, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like I could, but I could see them. Could you see them getting like a forty point deduction? I don't think that anyway, they wouldn't. That, they you, wouldn't even get relegated. They'd just be like, "Oh, I guess, no, Champions still League. Be I guess there's no Champions League for one season for us." Like, you oh, know, well. I would see as a, if if this is true, and they've broken 115 laws of fair play, and they've done things that aren't correct, which has helped them win several titles, a Champions League, many FA Cups, many Community Shields. What happened to Juventus when they got done in? Right? Yeah. What happened to was it Fiorentina? You yeah. got demoted. Yeah. And in my opinion, if it's that if it's that severe and then they've stopped it from Liverpool and Arsenal winning the league and having a fair chance, because Liverpool and Arsenal aren't getting pulled into this mess. You you got a case there by those teams like, oh, we could we would have had a better chance if yeah. they didn't have to all that money to buy all those players. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's super valid. It. I, I think what they should do is, uh, just like Enzo pointed out, all the p- past trophies they won, not only should they punish for this year, they should put some kind of sanctions moving forward, put a budget on them on uh, how much money they could spend or something just to kind of set a precedent. Well, they've said this. They wanted like, what, 400 million uh, cap? That, they, that was a suggestion, but that still works in favor of the rich teams, the teams that can do that. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, like Luton Town isn't spending more than twelve million on their squad. Like you know what I mean? teams are worth like eighteen million, I think. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, uh, it, I don't know what will help improve it. I do believe there should be rules, and rules should be abided, and that it will help the league and not just hinder the lower leagues. Because this season alone, and I'm sure it's the same in other leagues. This is the best league in the world, the Premiership. But you see, it is the best league in the world. And you see these three teams that just got promoted and the three teams that went down. The three teams that went down, they have better teams than th these three teams. Yeah. They're Premier League teams. Yeah. The space between them is what hurts. We need to find a way to where we're able still to develop championship to into the into the Premier League where it's still competitive. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be kind of dark, whatever happens. I don't think it's going to be a... I don't think it's going to be a very, like, a fair outcome. I just, I just really don't see it this ending with like a very like justice oriented result. Yeah, no one's gonna be happy. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to cut it there because we're getting a little long on time. See you guys next week. My name is Keith. I'm with Tico Nenzo. This is Draft Offside. Follow us on Instagram and X and Spotify. Spotify, yeah, and Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe and do all the nice things. Cheers. All right. I play you this week, Keith. Oh, in what Fuck. league? Fucking hope I kick your ass, bro. Oh, in, in, in which in our in our main league in Pirates, mate. I am getting. I if you look at my bench, bro, it's all injuries. Wait, you don't play it's me? All bloody injuries. Yeah, I do. Oh, in the other league, no, okay. in the other yeah. league, pros. Sorry, the other league. Yeah, wherever I'm playing you in one of them. There you go. And you're already you're already supposed to kick my ass by twenty plus points. Yeah, but the, I think the projections are so bad. Yeah, the projections are bad in this. I'll give you that. They are bad. I ha I have two players with no projection. One of them is Jeremy Dogo. I have one. It's Luis Diaz. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and so you were so dominant in this league, and you just went on a two-game slide. And Can I be honest with you guys? Leagues, Can I be honest with you guys? Six weeks yeah. ago, my buddy, the, the Tiberius, was texting me. He goes, man, my team's really struggling. Can you help me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. And I kind of like gave him some advice, like some a little bit of advice. And then I was like, I'm going to pick up this guy, Cole Palmer, when I'm out of this meeting or something. Like, you maybe should consider picking him up before I can get him. And he picked him up. And I, it's literally, and I've never given advice to anyone after that. Because he Wait, went on a six-game winning streak. I've lost, I've won one game in that time period. I went from so If that guy was a gentleman, he would have tra traded oh, you no, Cole Palmer. Wait, what are, you, what are you doing? I, You're too nice, Keith. I was, I, I was nice. a moment of weakness. I was just trying to help someone enjoy fantasy the way that i enjoy it and ended up just fucking me can i be honest with you there's no friends in fantasy yeah i learned that the hard way guys during the podcast when i was on fan tracks looking at stuff i almost roster baited i was looking at my uh, team everyone's getting healthy <laughs> i was looking at my bench <laughs> guys look at the players on my bench i'm just gonna read the names nicholas jackson bruno uh, from Newcastle, Luke Shaw, who's about to come back, and Gabriel. You got Jesus. two goalkeepers. What the fuck do you have two goalkeepers for? Uh, Raya's not playing this week, and I didn't want to drop him. Uh, why isn't Raya playing? Injured. Good question. Uh, it's not injured. injured. Uh, Raya cannot play against the parent club. Oh, he says he's ineligible. Oh, that's money. I should probably should pick up Aaron Ramsdale instead of. I picked up Leno instead. <laughs> literally just, just I, I just clicked yeah. oh man uh, you, you want to hear look here's my injuries on on the uh one of the leagues this is my bench botman Udogi, billing longstaff that's my injuries on one bench and this is the one that killed me estupion romero van der ven billing and madison yeah god crap. do you want it do you want to cry about it or you want to make a trade? I don't want to trade with you. Honestly, my first team isn't that bad. Especially if if Grealish plays, it isn't that bad. If he doesn't play, I'm fucked. You think Grealish is playing? I think you're fucked. I think it's like an 80% chance you're fucked then. I think there's an 80% chance Grealish doesn't play. Oh, and I got Wilson injured. Oh, forgot about that. I need to make some trades.